there. You're listening to the Collective Church Podcast, recorded live at Collective Church in Roanoke, Texas, with lead pastor Rob Carmack. Enjoy the sermon. So anyway, I want to invite everyone, anyone who has a Bible, if you want to invite you to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 7. And if you have one of the bulletins, the, the passages are on the, uh, inside the bulletin. And uh, it, we're, we're going to be going kind of out of, if, you, if you're looking at the bulletin, we're going to be kind of jumping around all over the place. Uh, I, I put them in that order for a reason, and you'll, you'll see what the reason is as we go, but um, we'll get there in a second. So um, I want to open with a question, which is, and, and this, this is a question that I have to sort of confront in myself every once in a while, but is there a person or is there a type of person that you tend to draw very quick conclusions about? That if, if you are at a gas station or if you're at your kid's school or if you're at work or if you're just out and about and you see a certain type of person wearing a certain type of apparel or having a certain type of like way about them, is there like, do you, do you ever like draw conclusions about people without actually knowing them? Or ba- based on maybe like the flags slash bumper stickers that they have on the back of their car. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I know, like, I, I, can, I can be sitting behind somebody at a red light and feel like, I know this person so well. You know what I mean? Um, it, it, or is there a specific, maybe there are people that you know and you, you know them a little bit, but maybe there's a specific way of being or a pattern of behavior that instantly makes you think like, oh, okay, I, 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 I know what your deal is. Like, and, and maybe it makes you think a little bit less of that person. I have my own answers to this question, and I'll spare you my confessions about, about what those things are, but I, but I have those things, and I have, I have these moments where I feel like justified in drawing conclusions about certain types of people in certain types of situations just based on what I can see. And I've been kind of surprised in my life at how many times I'm wrong about those kinds of things, but I do draw those kinds of conclusions. And so today, what we're talking about is uh, we're, we're going to start off 2022 by talking about judging and what, what it means when we talk about uh, judging other people and, and like drawing conclusions like that. Or maybe, maybe you know what it means to feel judged. Maybe... Um, there are people that you spend time with, and every time you're with them, there is this feeling of, oh, I, I, like this, this person is is drawing all sorts of conclusions about me based on, like, what I'm wearing, what I do for a living, like my kids, my or my, um, very various, like what I do and don't do with my spare time, like all sorts of ways that you feel judged by other people, or maybe. Um, Maybe somebody will say something and it's not directly about you, but it's like, oh, that was a passive aggressive. Like, like that, that person is definitely drawing conclusions about me based on uh, that, that comment or that post or something like that. So if, if you grew up, maybe you grew up in a highly um, religious environment and it might seem like judgmentalism is baked into the whole system. Like, oh, like that's based on the behaviors of the people that you knew growing up. Maybe it's like, oh, well, this is what you do. Like you draw conclusions about people based on their behaviors or their, their, their way of being. And that's just what you're supposed to do. It's almost hard to believe that there's actually a part of the Bible that directly tells people not to do that. Just based on like how often people in religious ser- settings do that. So we're going to be looking at Matthew 7, specifically the, the part, the portion of the Bible where Jesus talks about judging. And we're going to ask questions about like, okay, when Jesus talks about this, um, what is he actually saying? And in what ways do we give ourselves permission to do these kinds of things anyway? And, and how, how do, how, like, what are the mental gymnastics that we go through to sort of give ourselves permission to do this? So we're starting off 2022 with a real upbeat, positive thing. We're, we're talking about judgmentalism and all, all the ways that maybe we can be set free 
from that. Not, not just because like feeling judged doesn't feel good, but the act of judging other people is, is bad for us. And it's, it's, it's harmful in, in all sorts of ways. So we're going to get into that. So in uh, Matthew chapter 7, we'll just read through the whole passage that we're going to be looking at. And then we'll just be all over the place after that. So, so in uh, Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, Jesus, this is Jesus speaking. And he says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Which is pretty straightforward, right? Which is basically like, if you, like whatever standard you feel like you're holding other people to, be prepared at the very least to be held to the same standards. And then verse 3 says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all, all, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Which is, uh, that's a weird way to end a passage about judging. So, so there's a short paragraph about judging that morphs into a, a, a whole section about planks and specks which then goes directly into a short paragraphs, uh, paragraph about dogs and pigs and pearls. So how does all of this stuff fit together? Like, what is Jesus getting at? Why is all this stuff together in one place? Or is this just like, because I think a lot of times we isolate these passages and we forget that they're all part of a, like a larger piece. And so it's easy to sort of think this is just like chain of consciousness like Jesus just saying things that we can like quote and put in like graduation gift cards and um, embroider on pillows and things like that later without any question of like, wait, what's the thing that he said right before that? Like he, he goes from don't judge to planks and specks to pearls and dogs and pigs. What? Like how does any of this fit together in any sort of meaningful way? So he begins, so we're just going to kind of like go through it and ask questions about like, okay, okay, what, what is Jesus getting at? We're going to move through the passage and we're going to hopefully by the end of this be able to sort of connect the dots and ask like, and be able to answer the question of, okay, wh what do all these things have in common? What is Jesus getting at? So first we have to talk about the word judge. So the word judge in Greek is the word krino. And it's used actually in three different ways in the original language. So, so you, ha you have it showing up in, in multiple contexts that ha have different meanings. So a lot of times I think we use this word judge and it becomes sort of like we, we don't even really know what we're talking about <laughs> when, when we use the word. Because when we're quoting Jesus, we're, we're quoting him and he's using it in one particular context. But there are actually three different ways that Jesus uses this word or that the Bible uses this word. So uh, jump over, hold your spot in Matthew 7 and jump over to Titus chapter 3. Um, and so this is actually this writer Paul writing, and he just in one short, and this, this, is, um, this is one of those sentences that you read and you think like, no one's ever going to put this in a sermon, um, but here it is. So in, uh, in Titus chapter 3, beginning of verse 12, uh, Paul writes, as soon as, I, as soon as I send Artemis and Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at uh, Nicopolis, because I have decided to winter there. So the, the, word, the word decided here is judge. It's krino. So one translation, so I, I, lo I love that there in the Bible there's a section about like where Paul has decided to spend his, his winters. So, um, so uh, one translation of this word krino is the word decide. It, it, it could also be translated as discern or to resolve. It, it basically means to make a decision about something. So when Jesus says, don't judge, is Jesus saying, don't make decisions? Probably not. 
So we can kind of, so of the three possible translations of this, we can rule out, is Jesus saying, don't make decisions? And so obviously that's not what Jesus is getting at. So then the question becomes, okay, we've eliminated this. So there's two other uses of the word. So what are the other two? So take a look at John chapter 18. In John 18, um, let me jump over here. John 18, beginning in verse 31, or just in verse 31. Uh, it says, if I can find it, Pilate, and this, this is when Jesus is on trial. And it says, Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. So here, the second way that Crino is described is in a legal context. It's basically, it's to indicate being judged in a court of law. So the question then becomes, is Jesus saying to do away with courts and laws and social boundaries? Again, probably not. I don't, I don't, I don't think Jesus is advocating a lawless society. And so, in, in fact, all through the scriptures, you find places where people are like justifiably held accountable for their actions. And so having healthy boundaries for people is not the same thing as judging them. And uh, pe people, in fact, I, I, th this could be a whole sermon all, all by itself, but people like to say things like, don't judge me, as a way of saying, I prefer not to be held accountable for the things that I do and say. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, like, I, I definitely have known people and know people who will do something and you will look at them at, as they do the thing and you'll think like, I don't think I wanna be around somebody who like treats people this way or who, intera who interacts with the world around them in this way, who treats waiters and waitresses this way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then you'll have that person say like, hey, listen, don't judge me. As if to say like, oh, my, my actions should have no consequence. It's, it's like the, in, in, I mean, not to quote the great, uh, the gospel of Talladegan writes, as long as you say with all due, res due respect, it doesn't count, right? <laughs> so like I can, do, I can do whatever I wanna do, but as long as I say with all due respect or don't judge me, then there are no consequences to my actions. So Jesus is not advocating no, having no healthy boundaries. And Jesus is not advocating like living in a society without laws and justice. So the, the second, so the first use of creno is to make a decision, which we've already sort of, we know Jesus is not saying that don't make decisions. And the second use is, has to do with laws and justice and boundaries. And so Jesus is not saying don't have a society that exists with those, those things in mind. So I wonder then, is Jesus, I'm being rhetorical here, but I'm, I'm wondering now, is Jesus actually trying to use the third version of the word crino? Because that's all that's left. So then in 1 Corinthians 4, uh, verse 5, if you want to jump over to that, you have uh, this writer Paul kind of laying out what this version of the word means. So then it says, um, therefore, in, verse, uh, in chap chapter 4, verse 5, it says, therefore, judge nothing before the, the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring light to what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. So here, this form of crino is, as Paul describes it, bringing light to what is hidden in darkness and exposing the motives of other people's hearts. So this isn't, you did a thing and now there are consequences to the thing. This is, th this form of judging is A, something that God does, according to Paul, and B, it exposes the darkness of people's hearts. This isn't just like, you did a thing and now we have to sort of deal with the consequences and the fallout of the thing. This is, I, I see a person and I decide for myself what, what's going on inside of them. I make all sorts, I draw all sorts of conclusions and judgments, conclusions and judgments about a person, about the nature of a person, about the value of a person based on my own like assumptions and conclusions about them.
Are you with me? So this is the third way that we see this word krino. And I would argue this is how Jesus is using it. Take a look at John chapter 7. In John 7, um, verse 24, uh, Jesus says, Stop judging, stop krinoing by mere appearance, but instead judge krino correctly. So essentially, Jesus says, stop the third use of krino. Jesus is speaking about the ways that we evaluate, we, we critique, we draw conclusions about other people. We Basically, it, this, this is how we, we come up with, like, this person has a certain amount of value based on my estimations of them. This is what Jesus is saying. So, to judge, to crino, as Jesus uses it here, is to raise yourself up by lowering someone else. If I can point out all the, if I can point out all the ways that this person falls short, then it can display all the ways that I haven't done what they've done, that I am not the, the same as this person. So to judge is to confuse action with essence and identity. It is possible for someone to do something that is harmful and for you to draw boundaries around, I can't be, I, I cannot have a healthy interaction with someone who performs these actions. That's okay, that is healthy. That's, that, that's the second use of crino. But it's possible for me to draw all sorts of internal conclusions about the value of this person as a human being. And Jesus, said, Jesus is saying, that's the thing I want you to stop doing. Don't assume that you know all the things that are going on inside of this person. Now, you can draw, all, again, definitely have boundaries. Definitely set up like guardrails when there are people in your life who are unhealthy. But what Jesus is saying is, well, as you're doing that, don't draw all sorts of conclusions about the value, of the, about the divine essence of that person. This person did something wrong or dishonest or immoral. And from their doing that, we make all sorts of declarative statements inside of ourselves about their essence or their identity and their worth as a whole person. And Jesus is saying, that's the thing we need to avoid. We, we, cannot, we cannot write off a person's value as a human being based on any, anything that we can measure. So we don't simply say that thing that they did was messed up. We say they, at their core, are less than, they're lower than, they're down, they're out, they're wrong, whatever, whatever metric we're using. Like that person has less value than we do. And Jesus is talking about when we assume divine responsibility for evaluating the worth and value of another person. So to judge, according to Paul, to judge is, according, is to do God's job of exposing the motives and essence of another person. It's to take a role that does not belong to us. It's to do someone else's job. So Jesus says this thing. He says, don't do that. And then he follows it with a section about planks and specks. Look at Matthew uh, 7, verse 3. In Matthew 7, 3, he says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? So Jesus is creating kind of a mental picture. This is a bit of theater that he's creating. So to critique and, and to criticize and to point out actually has deep roots in far more destructive impulses. It's rooted in a desire to control another person. So he's talking about like, why would you try and remove something from somebody else when you already have a thing that you, you've got going on for yourself? And he uses the plank and the speck as sort of, again, this, this way of kind of um, like creating a bit of theater. So judging, according to this metaphor, is an attempt to control some, someone through correcting or criticizing or shaming or ignoring or speaking against them in some sort of way. So according to this part, judging in, in this way that we evaluate and, and determine someone's worth is all about control. It's about me trying to get you to see how deeply flawed you are at your core. 
It's about me trying to get you to, to be something else that better serves my purposes or my expectations. And so if I push you or if I shame you or try to make you feel guilty about something, that's ultimately that's about control. And Jesus uses this odd picture of a plank. He's connecting it to a far larger, um, there's a larger flow going on here within the whole passage. So this is when we're going to jump back a little bit, because this is all part of a larger piece called the Sermon on the Mount. So if you jump back over to Matthew 6, which is also part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has this prayer that he teaches people how to pray. And he says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is, um, I, I would imagine a lot of us are familiar with this. We probably grew up memorizing this, um, depending on what your tradition. So at the core of this prayer, what's going on is Jesus is inviting us to entrust ourselves to God. There's, there's a certain language of surrender here. Jesus is inviting us uh, to become a grounded, centered person who, who is like a tree beside living water is essentially what's going on here. Jesus is saying, in your prayer, acknowledge how little control you have over all these factors in your life. Then, if you jump down to verse 25, he begins to unpack this and elaborate. And uh, he says, therefore, I tell you, in verse 25, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? So he takes the prayer and he expands it. And he, de- and he describes what happens when we don't surrender ourselves, when we, when we don't loosen our grip on all the things that we can't control. The result, when I, when I have things in my life that I can't control, you posted about this yesterday. Um, you, uh, so uh, there's, not, not to just be like, you! <laughs> um, but I, it reminded me of this. Um, because when, when, we, when we take the things that we can't control and we try to control them, what happens? Well, it creates all sorts of worry and anxiety. I, I, th- this, is, this is where I live right here, emotionally speaking. Um, because what, what, hap- what happens when you try to control a thing and you, or you want to be able to control a thing that you ultimately have no control over? Well, all that's left for you to do, like all that energy has to go somewhere and it goes into worry and anxiety and fear. And so Jesus takes this prayer about loosening your grip on control and he talks about like, here's what happens when we don't loosen our grip on all the things that we can't control. It becomes all about worry and anxiety. And so it's interesting, if you look at all of Matthew 6 and 7 as like one continuously flowing thing, Jesus goes out of worry and he goes directly into talking about judging, which is interesting, right? Because worry is about how I try to control everything about my own life. Judging is about how I try to control everything about your life. And so the whole thing is about control and surrender. This is the, the, the common connective theme, the, the connective tissue in the whole thing, which is when, when, I, when, I have to, when I feel like I need to have control over all the things going on in my own life and I can't control them, the result is worry and anxiety. When I want to control something about your life and it turns out I can't do that, the, the, the result is judging and condemning and like having all sorts of unmet expectations and like having an emotional reaction to that right? So worry is about how I control my, or I try to control myself. Judging is about how I control or try to control everybody else, which raises the question, what does any of this have to do with pigs and dogs? So in, um, in chapter, in verse six, going back to chapter seven, um, in verse, where did it go? In verse six, it says, so after he talks about the plank and the speck, in verse six, Jesus says, 
do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Which seems to have nothing to do with anything. And then, and then it trans, after that, it transitions to ask and it will be given to you. So like, where, what does the pigs and the dogs and the pearls, what does any of that have to do with judging and worrying and control? How are pigs related to the plank and the speck, related to judging, related to not worrying? So here's, it, it, I, this passage gets mistranslated so often because what, what it sounds like is it sounds like Jesus is, is calling people names. Basically like, don't judge that person because that person is a dog and a pig. You know what I mean? Like, which, which sounds a little bit judgmental, does it not? To refer to, to, refer to another human being as, as an animal like that. So what, what is, what is, if Jesus isn't doing that, what is Jesus doing? So here's the thing. A pearl in the ancient world, and even now, a pearl is a good thing. It's a thing that has value. A pig or a dog being thrown something good or sacred, the issue is not that the pig, the issue, um, the issue is not like a judgment against the person being referred to as a pig or a dog, uh, which is not necessarily a compliment in our current world, but whatever. Um, so the issue is not, uh, it's not a, a value judgment against the person. The issue is the pig is unable to appreciate the goodness of the thing. Sometimes we try to control and manipulate people. We try, or uh, I don't know, I, I, I've heard that this happens sometimes. Sometimes people, um, from, what I've, from what I've been told, people might try to uh, control and manipulate other people. Um, and so we, we, try to get, we, we try to get them to do what we want them to do through negative things, like judging or condemning or shaming or disapproving or pushing them in negative, un, un, unkind ways. So it's possible to try and control somebody through negative means. It's also try, possible to try and control someone because you want the best for that person. But they can't appreciate the value of, of that because all they can sense is this person is trying to control me. It's, po it's possible for a good thing to become a bad thing. Jesus is not calling people names. I, I, I definitely want to just avoid like that sort of translation. Again, I've heard this translated as like people who don't listen to the words of Jesus are like subhuman. And like that... That, has, that is a translation of this passage that I've heard that I don't agree with. Jesus is not calling people names. He, what Jesus is saying here is that sometimes people are not able or ready to receive a thing that is good. May, maybe that person needs time. Maybe that person needs to get there, uh, get there on their own without being forced or cajoled or um, pushed in a certain kind of hostile way. Even if the thing is good, it can become a source of, tr of tension and control. So how many family systems, I wonder, have you seen where someone is being showered with gifts and resources or pearls, and that person maybe doesn't want those things, and the giver is completely confused. I don't understand. Why would you not want to do this thing? Why would you not want to receive this thing that I'm trying to give you? Because maybe their action of giving was in some way a desire to control or manipulate. Maybe there was a gift, but the gift had some strings attached. Are you with me? So... Maybe their action of giving was an attempt to control. It's possible that the person was reacting not against the gift, but against the motive behind the gift. So Jesus here is teaching us to surrender the outcome of all the things that we can't control. So when Jesus says, don't throw your pearls to pigs, he, what he's saying is not people who don't listen to you are like pigs. What he's saying is you might have something good to offer a person, but if that person is not ready to receive that thing, then that person is going to have no appreciation for the value of the thing that you're trying to offer. Even if the thing you're trying to offer at face value is a good thing, 
it's possible that it's not going to go really well. How many people, like, again, if, if someone tries to offer you a gift and you, you can sense, oh, there's some strings attached to this thing. Like, it's not just like, no, thank you. It is, I, I have a, like a deep, visceral, negative reaction against that. It's almost like when Jesus says, they may turn and trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. In other words, maybe they'll see right through you and you won't like how that feels. So Jesus is trying to teach us to surrender the outcome of all the things that we can't control. When we aren't able to loosen our grip on these kinds of things, we live with anxiety, we live with tension about how to get them to do what we want them to do. And when they don't fall in line, we treat them differently. We have, we have a different reaction to them. We see them differently. We begin to judge them in a certain kind of way. This doesn't mean, by the way, don't give people things or don't edu- educate your kids or don't like have um, standards that, that you, um, you, you expect people to live up to. Like, it, 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 it doesn't mean have no boundaries. Again, this is simply a way of starting a conversation about the fact that sometimes there's a deep-seated anxiety about other people's lives. And this is about surrendering control, not just of the things that we can't control in our own lives. This is about surrendering control of other people. This is how the judging and the planks and the pigs and the dogs and the pearls, this is what they all have in common. It's all about what it looks like when we try and control other people through all sorts of different ways. And what happens when we realize, oh, we don't have that kind of control. I can't control another person. I cannot make decisions for that person. I can't control the outcome of those decisions. So the real question here shows up in um, verse 5, where Jesus says, You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So he's not saying don't help people. He's saying the first thing, the real question is, the, the real question here is not, like, how, how do I fix this other person? The real question is, do I have any planks of my own? The real question is, what can I control? Well, the thing I can control is I can control how I respond to my own issues, my, my own baggage, my own, like how, how I have the power over my own responses to things. Like that's where I have control. Jesus says, first, try and just control the things that you already have control over. And then maybe you can begin helping people in real useful ways. This is about facing the illusion of control and instead asking questions about the things that I can't control, like my, my responses to other people, my ability to show grace, my ability to bring peace and love into the world and into the lives of others. Jesus begins this section with, don't judge. Why? Because, because that's an act of control. And then he talks about, yeah, but then there's this, there, there are certain things that you can't control. There's a, there's a plank in your own eye, and that's the thing that you can control. So then, then he goes on to, so then maybe you'll be able to help somebody in real tangible ways w- once you've dealt with your own stuff. And it won't just be about control or manipulation. It'll be about love and grace and peace. And don't, don't, and again, he's saying, like, don't try and manipulate people through good things or through negative, harsh judgment. Instead, just do the thing that you can do, which is to show love and grace to other people and make the best decisions that you can make, that you have the power to make. The rest is not our job, according to Jesus. So, May we surrender control over all the things that we don't have control over, that we never had control over in the first place. May we resist the urge to judge others, because deep down, that's about control. And may we forgive others when, they try, when we sense that they're trying to judge or control us. Um, may we draw healthy boundaries when those are necessary. And um, may we become the kinds of people who 
ask questions about like, where's the plank in my own eye? What are the things that I can't control? And how can I bring grace and love and peace into the world with those things? Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for this reminder that we have so much less control than we often think that we do. May we surrender control over other people. May we surrender the outcome of the things that we have no power over. May we look internally and ask, okay, what are the things that I can control? Where are the planks in my own eye? And may we become more grace and peace-oriented individuals as we begin to ask those kinds of questions. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This has been the Collective Church Podcast. We post episodes every week on Sundays. If you're interested in supporting our church, you can give at collectivechurch.net slash give. I hope you enjoyed listening.